When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to the Lakers Fast Break Podcast, part of the Hoopheads Podcast Network. Check out all their awesome basketball shows today at hoopheadspod.com. Thanks so much for joining us right here at the Lakers Fast Break. Truly appreciate it. It's Gerald Glassford. And a good man is returned to us. Man, that was so much a part of the early days of the Lakers Fast Break. Also is out and about with us at the Pop Culture Cosmos. It is a true Lakers fan, a man who loves the Lakers as much as we do here Mm. at the Lakers Fast Break. A man who I cannot have enough on the show. And that is TJ Johnson. TJ, great to have you here, my friend. You sent in what I originally thought of the Lakers History 101 concept. You know, I wanted to go ahead and get some ideas from everybody who's been a part of it as far as the panel, some thoughts on some great moments or some things of discussion to talk about. We've had some uh, great conversations in the class. One of the things that you wanted to go ahead and talk about, which we covered in detail as far as Professor Joe Soro and Professor Sean Grice at Lakers Fast Break University, was the 2012 Lakers, which was a great and outstanding conversation. So hopefully people can hit that up in the archives. But you also wanted to put in your two cents. And I wanted to always make sure that you had the option and the platform to go ahead and say, I need to go ahead and share some thoughts on that. And afterwards, we'll go ahead and share your you know, thoughts as well on the current product, the 2023 Lakers, as we head into a tough time here going forward as far as the battle to get into relevancy here in the Western Conference. But your thoughts, my friend, on the 2012 Lakers. Goodness gracious. Gerald, where do we begin? First, thank you so much for allowing me the opportunity to be back on the Lakers Fast Break podcast. It's been way too long and that's my fault not yours life has been ridiculous it's been moving at a breakneck pace unlike our los angeles lakers 2012 let's paint a picture of 2012. (sighs) picture this 2012 the los angeles lakers look like this kobe bryant playing his was that eight 17th season 16th season Mm -hmm. 16th season in the NBA, 17, 16 or 17. I'm not 100% sure at this point. It's been so long. I want to say it's the 16th season. Kobe Bryant playing his 16th season. Steve Nash playing his whatever, 16th season as well, I think, because they both came in in 2000 or in, in the 96 class. So mm-hmm. Dwight Howard, who is coming off of back issues and being part of Orlando and not, work, not working on Orlando and kind of jumping around a little bit. 
And then who else is on the roster? Oh, yeah. Metal World Peace, Pal Gasol. Uh, the, the championship aspirations that were that 2012-2013 roster. It's tough, G. It's tough because as a Lakers fan, there were, some of those names were, were really, really strong. I mean, I was really looking forward to great, great things out of Dwight Howard. I knew that we were getting a a watered-down version of that Superman, um, considering the fact that he was still young and immature and uh, was was still battling his back injuries. And we knew he wasn't going to be 100%. Um, I knew he wasn't going to be 100% going into that season. Uh, you have Grandpa Steve Nash, who granted came into the league at the same time as Kobe, was was considerably slower, considerably uh, worse off than Kobe was as far as his body and just his deteriorating skill set. Um, could still knock down a three-point shot. It was still a knockdown shooter. And could still pass and play with some flair, but, you know, he caught that injury bug early and it just never – the older we get, man, the harder it is for those injuries to, to to wear off. I played basketball for the first time in, like, months, and it took about two months for me to actually feel normal again. I have a, a slightly torn meniscus. So I felt all that for the next two months after playing basketball. So I can only imagine when Steve Nash broke his leg how hard it was for him to bounce back to even be able to play in the league again, let alone play at a level that we expect out of Steve Nash. So it was a very disappointing season, but it was disappointing for a lot of different reasons. It was disappointing that it was one of the last greats, one of the last good seasons we had for Kobe Bryant. Um, it was disappointing that the season ended the way it did in such a, 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 a abrupt fashion between Kobe Bryant rupturing his Achilles between Dwight Howard's meltdown in the tunnel uh, with Mitch Kupchak between uh, the Lakers barely making the playoffs off the willpower of Kobe Bryant alone. Um, it, it ended in such fashion. And it, 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 was, it was tough because as a fan, as a fan of the Los Angeles Lakers, I knew in my heart that they were playing to get to the playoffs, but they were playing to lose. Even if the Lakers, I mean, with the Lakers making that playoffs, there was no way, there was no way they were getting anywhere of any significance. There was no way they were going to sniff the Western Conference Finals. Uh, there was no way that they were going to get anywhere near a championship. So what were they playing for, right? I remember, the, I remember how strong the campaign was that they had. I think they had their slogan was uh, one more game or, or play on or something, something to that effect where it was like, you know, let's push through. Uh, but the truth of the matter is they were playing for, for uh, it, it wasn't even second place. It was seventh, eighth place at this point. What was disappointing? Think, Go ahead. Yeah, well, I'm just saying this team, like you said, <laughs> had a collection of names, names. that on paper should have uh, yes. gelled together, even at the, some cases, the latter stages of the curriculum, to be at least a more effective team than they were. Correct. But, you know, as you as you just said, they had a collection of names. They didn't have a connection. The, the, the players behind those names weren't the same players. And yes, on paper, it sounds like they should be. But if you remember, the Lakers tried that again, tried that before in 2004 when they brought in an aging Carl Malone and Gary Payton uh, to go alongside Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal. Now, granted, we all know what was going on at that time with Kobe Bryant. So he was not 100 percent invested in the game of basketball at that point, which, uh, you know, Rightfully so, right? He had other things going on, but it, it it takes a lot to bring a team together. There's so much more to bringing a team together than just putting people together. I think it's been very seldom where 
it works out. We bring multiple superstars in and they win immediately. I think the only team I could think of where that happened pretty immediately with the Boston Celtics when they brought Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, and Kevin Garnett into the fold, along with Ray John Rondo. Uh, they won pretty immediately. Even LeBron James, when he did it with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, they took a year um, to to figure, figure it out who they were and what they wanted to do. So that stuff doesn't happen overnight. And to have the, the names that they had and to not have the opportunity as far as the chemistry building time that one needs to actually uh, form some type of camaraderie, uh, it makes it very, very difficult. And then you have a very A-type personality in Kobe Bryant who um, was was hell-bent on making the playoffs, hell-bent on on willing the Lakers if by himself if he had to, to make the playoffs. And then you have your next best player in Dwight Howard, who I'm sorry, uh, next best player in Paul Gasol, who was an aging uh, player, aging big man, who was really, for lack of a better term, was really a, a great player who had a great moveset, but was was becoming very limited as well. I mean, yeah, even at that particular stage of his career, he was becoming very limited in what he can do in his production. Um, and we love Paul Gasol in Lakerland, so. Um, I don't say that as a as a knock to Powell. I understand, you know, Father Time is undefeated. So his his production was on a decline. And then, you know, Dwight Howard being the kid that he was or being whatever you want to call him, uh, he, he, he did not gel with Kobe Bryant. That relationship did not work. Uh, Kobe was very much about come in, get your stuff done, uh, focus on the game of basketball. And Dwight Howard's walking around with the score sheet talking about how many touches he got after a game. They're not the same, and, and it didn't gel well. So on paper, yeah, it sounds great. On a 2K roster, it sounds great, right, because you don't have to really deal with personalities. But the truth of the matter is when you have all those different personalities with all those different uh, desires and all those different attentions, intentions, excuse me, it doesn't work. And when you don't have the opportunity to build the chemistry, you don't have the opportunity to build the camaraderie that it takes to have a deep playoff run, to have an opportunity to do something special, it very seldom, if ever, works. And I think the 2012-2013 Lakers is a prime example of everything sounding great on paper but and not coming to fruition uh, when it's all said and done. Uh, it was tough. It was tough to watch. And again, obviously seeing Kobe Bryant go down the way he did, as inspiring of a performance as he put on, even after popping that Achilles, but walking out there on his own strength and nailing two clutch free throws to help secure the Lakers' win and their playoff position, it was heartbreaking because we knew, I knew, that he would never be the same after that. And it's not to say that he wouldn't fight like hell to get back to his playing, uh, to, to be able to play basketball the way he played basketball. I, I knew his desire was there, but at his age, at that kind of injury, I mean, that was, that was what ended Shaquille O'Neal's career right there. And granted, Shaq was already old, but... Once he popped that, he was like, there's no point. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not playing that game anymore. Everybody doesn't bounce back from that. And even though Kobe was able to bounce back and play basketball, and he think he recovered sooner than he was supposed to recover, uh, he was never the same after that. He was never the same player. Um, injuries finally started to catch up to Kobe, and it was hard to watch. And that 2012 season was kind of the beginning of the end. So it's always going to be, for me, personally uh, a stained season just because i knew it was the beginning of the end for kobe this is rafael from nbadraftjunkies.com and you are listening to the lakers fast break 
Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. People are just losing their minds trying to consume Marvel products right now, and I don't blame them. This is some of the best entertainment you can get on TV and big screen right now. If something's going to be successful or not, they look at the mentions, they look at the likes, they look at the retweets and the tweets and the subtweets and the tweet tweets, and they look at all of that to say, okay, this is actually going to garner a lot of attention. Is it going to be enough, though? I think the fish out of water syndrome might be enough for somebody like us because it's going to be hilarious to watch two stoner kids we saw barely make it through high school now live in a society that they fully don't understand because they've been stuck in a decade and never came out of it. Facebook stars, not ninja stars, okay? I know how some people take things literally. So don't throw ninja stars at us, but like the Facebook stars, click on those. That's what we want. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, it's... Gerald Glassford from the Lakers Fast Break, along with my good friend, Mr. TJ Johnson. Thanks so much for watching and listening. It was the 2012 Lakers. The last thing I'll probably say about it before we head to this year's Lakers is that on paper, it looked really, really special. And I think there was a lot of people that had read into what they had achieved earlier in their careers as a unit or as separate players on other teams and thought, man, this is going to be a no-brainer as far as where they can go. But looking at it from much clearer eyes now, hindsight is 2020, and the 2020 tells you that a lot of those players, like you just mentioned, were on the very tail end of their careers and could no longer give you what you needed, even if they had all meshed, even if they had all stayed healthy. I don't think that the team in and of itself was in a position to still succeed at the level I think that was expected out of that roster in 2012. I just don't think that it was going to be a championship level team, but I thought it could have been much better than it was, but still to the point where I don't think a title would have come to the Lakers as much as we thought it would be when we first got that collection of players together in 2012. Absolutely, Gerald. And, and, you know, we even we talk about the players and we talk about how much they didn't gel. But let's also look at the simple fact that they started the season with Mike Brown, right? So they started that season with Mike Brown as the head coach, and unceremoniously he was dismissed. And they hired who in his place? Not Phil Jackson, even though Phil Jackson was available and allegedly was considering the return to the Los Angeles Lakers. Mike. No D Antony. Mike No D Antony was their pick for the head coaching position. And if you look at the style of play that Mike D'Antoni was known for, which was a run and gun, you know, seven second offense, if even that long, um, no defense. It, it it was not designed, it's not a it's not a coach that was designed for an aging team, right? Your your point guard at the time was what was he, 37, 38? He was uh, in that range, yeah. Somewhere in that late 30s range, right? How much running gunning was he really expecting out of Steve Nash? I mean, truth be told, how much did he actually expect to get out of Steve Nash running that same style of basketball? There's no way they can maintain that pace for any extended period of time. And the fact that they thought that that was something that was sustainable or the fact that he thought that that was something sustainable was uh, 
it was tough, man. It was tough. Yeah, it was tough. And obviously we saw the results of that. But 11 years later, we have the 2023 Lakers, my friend. And after acquiring Rui Hashimura and Anthony Davis coming back into the lineup, there's a very different outlook that we have out there when it comes to what the Lakers are all about, my friend. So your thoughts on this year's Los Angeles Lakers as we head into the playoff mix or possibly the playoff mix. Yeah. Uh, my thoughts on this version of the Los Angeles Lakers um, as, as my son decides to join me for the last few minutes here is very, very similar to, I'm scared to say that's very similar to my outlook for the 2012, 2013 Los Angeles Lakers. A lot of the names sound very good on paper. Right, you have LeBron James who is playing out of his mind at age 38 in his 20th season in the NBA. The amount of minutes that he's playing, he, he's a phenomenal talent that a lot of people, and rightfully so, give him a lot of flack. Right, he puts himself into positions, he puts himself into situations to be criticized for a lot of the things between some of the things he says, uh, some of the way the, the way he acts at times. Um, he can come across as diva-ish, uh, very diva-like. And it, all of those things are very true. But what's also true is that we have not seen a talent like LeBron James in the history of the NBA. We have not seen a player who's had more longevity and has been able to output at the same pace that LeBron has ever. I mean, the fact that this man is already um, considered one of the greatest, and he's, he's not done playing. He's still got a few years left. I, I truly do believe that. Um, it, it speaks loads to his ability to continue to hone his offense, hone his skill set in, well into the twilight of his career when many players would be having a substantial decrease. Uh, LeBron James is, is outputting at a phenomenal rate. His 2K rating just went up like three points. He's still the highest rated 2K player uh, in, in the game, and that's, un that's unheard of. I know that that's not really a metric that people use to, to judge him, but I guess my point in saying that is, for as good as LeBron James is, it's not enough to carry this team by himself, right? Yeah. So on paper, you have LeBron, you have Anthony Davis, who if we can get a healthy 60 games out of Anthony Davis, and I'm a happy guy, I just, it's very, very tough to, to get behind someone who has not been able to give you a full season commitment ever. I don't think he's ever had a full un, uninjured season uh, in the NBA. Maybe his, I don't even think his rookie campaign. So it's very, very, it's very difficult when you have a player that's not consistently there, right? And, mm -hmm. and Anthony Davis was playing at an MVP level before he got hurt. Let's be very clear. Anthony Davis was carrying the Los Angeles Lakers before he got hurt, which is what LeBron James needs because he needs not be the focal point of an offense anymore. It's for us to be able to hold on to LeBron and for us to be able to, to ride this wave we need him as healthy as possible come playoff time. And if we're going to continue to run him into the ground, a la Kobe Bryant in 2012, I'm not sure what we're going to get at the end of the year. So he, he is actually, well, he's actually played 75 games twice. And that was in the 2016 and 2017 seasons. Okay. All right. Yeah. Copy that. Then we're talking about Anthony Davis, right? Anthony Davis. Yes. Okay. All right. So as we're currently constructed, you know, and obviously with the, do, do, do we pronounce his name Rui? Rui. 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 It is Rui. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So with the acquisition of Rui, um, which I'm, I'm curious to see how this all plays out and how he 
gets himself involved in this system. I know defensively he's not what people expected him to be. Um, offensively, he's okay. I don't know what the Lakers are really expecting with him. I think that's my concern. Uh, while they have a young player, which is great because you have aging superstars on LeBron James, right? And even Anthony Davis is not as young as he once was. You needed some youth with to go along with LeBron. So as far as my expectations for this Los Angeles Lakers team, it's going to take a lot of chips to fall the right way for them to not only make the playoffs but make any kind of significant noise in the playoffs. But I also recognize the fact that the NBA landscape has changed quite a bit. Golden State's not who Golden State used to be. You have up-and-coming younger teams, the Grizzlies and the Bucks still being a, a top team with Giannis on there. Giannis Antetokounmpo still playing basketball the way he's playing. It's as wide open as it's been in a while, right? You had Golden State, who was pretty much the, the, the top of the mountaintop for the last, you know, seven, eight years with the acquisition of Steph Curry, with Steph Curry and Clay. So as good as they've been, this is the wide, the most wide open it's been in quite some time. So it's hard. As a Lakers fan, I love my Lakers, and I, I want to see them succeed. I, I, I can't say that I definitively don't see them making the playoffs and not getting very far. What I can say is that if there was ever an opportunity, now was the time. If they're going to make a push, now was the time because it's wide open. It really is. The window is rapidly closing, but the field is wide open. This is their time to strike. Well, we'll see what happens. But yeah, the Lakers need to do what they can to try and make a push towards the plane, at least. Just get the 500 and let's see what happens from there. But TJ and your son, just great to have you both aboard. Truly appreciate you taking the time to speak to us. I know that's something you wanted to go ahead and touch upon, so I'm really glad you got a chance to go ahead and talk about the 2012 Lakers and this year's Lakers as well. Looking forward to when you can come back on the Cosmos and, of course, the Lakers fast break. Any last thoughts before we head on out? Brother, I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity, and uh, I look forward to uh, the next chance that we get to talk Los Angeles Lakers. There you go, my friend. All the best to you, and thanks so much for being part of the Lakers Fast Break.